boys and girls. We needed that. Thank you. And it's a good uh, segue into just uh, commenting on Sunday school. Remember, there are classes at 9 o'clock every Sunday for, for uh, children of all ages and uh, two adult classes, uh, one adult class is going through the book of James and the other a class on parenting. Um, you kids will probably learn more songs like that. Uh, you adults will not. But uh, it's a great time. Come early on Sundays, 9 o'clock, and spend some time in a smaller group uh, studying God's Word before we worship. Okay, good. Consider it all joy when you encounter various trials, right? Very good. Ah, you can take your Bibles. We're going to go into a brand new series. It's going to be a, a six-message series, so not real long. And uh, as you see before you and on your study sheet, the title of this series is Lies Christians Believe. And so what we're going to be doing, by the way, there are lies out there that Christians believe. And uh, we're going to be looking at just six of them in this series. And so we'll be talking about um, the lie about happiness, uh, the lie about troubles, the lie about the future, the lie about spiritual warfare, the lie about death. And today we're going to open with thinking about the lie concerning our hearts. I'm thinking this could be an uncomfortable series for a number of us because I'm thinking there are those of us who have grabbed on to some of these lies, at least one or two. And uh, hopefully as we talk about them, it will help. And we'll be able to move away from and move on from some of these lies. Uh, we're going to look at God's truth in connection with those lies. We always need to look at God's truth, don't we, about everything. So, uh, before we look at the first lie, let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you for the time of worship. Thank you for the joy of, of listening to these boys and girls sing about you. And Father, uh, pray that as the God of truth, whose word is truth, in the next weeks you would present that truth to us. And Father, I pray that uh, these weeks might make a difference in lives as we seek to live for you according to truth. And so, Father, could you begin to speak to us starting today in this first message. In Christ's name we pray that. Amen. Some of you know that I have this pet peeve and have been wondering, when in the world is he going to get around to talking about it publicly? Every spring, it never fails. I go to graduation services at different schools. And there is one 
common encouragement that is given by important people who speak at these graduations. And the encouragement is this. Follow your heart. And every year when I hear that, I grab the armrests of my chair and I squeeze because it perturbs me so much that that is the encouragement being given to graduates all over the country, whether it's high school graduates or college graduates. They are being told to follow their heart. I want to suggest to you and have you think this through that that encouragement is based on a lie about our hearts. Follow your heart is a lie. Now, the people who are um, saying those things and encouraging graduates to do that, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt in the sense that they aren't purposely saying, I'm going to get up there and tell a lie. I'm going to get up there and say something that's not true. I don't think that's where they're coming from. I think they believe it because I think they've been deceived by that lie that you should follow your heart. On your sheet, you have a couple quotes. There's one by John Tyson, a book that he wrote. He says, the problem with deception is that you don't know you are being deceived. It's subtle. It simply feels as if you're right. Deception feels incredibly rational. I mean, doesn't this one sound right? Follow your heart. That sounds good. That sounds like the thing to do. Follow your heart. It's interesting that uh, Joseph Goebbels, a Nazi propaganda minister, back in the late 30s and early 40s, said this, A lie told once remains a lie. But a lie told a thousand times becomes the truth. What's he saying? He's presenting the Nazis' philosophy at that time. If you tell a lie enough times, people could start believing it. And I tell you what, I have fallen for that in my life. Where I was told something, and I knew it was false. I didn't believe it. First time I heard it and the second, and the third. But after weeks and months of the same lie being told to me, I started wondering if maybe it was true. Maybe I was wrong. And perhaps you can identify with that. A lie told once remains a lie. A lie told a thousand times. You keep hearing it enough times. You can be deceived 
into believing it's the truth. And I think that's the case with this statement pertaining to our hearts. Follow your heart. So we're going to talk about that. Um, First of all, let's talk about what the heart is, because that's what the subject here is. Follow your heart. What is the heart? Well, when you look at uh, the heart being referred to in the Old Testament and then in the New Testament, referred to a lot in both Testaments. Uh, Of course, the Hebrew had one word and the Greek one word, but the meanings were kind of similar. We don't have to get all detailed and uh, particular about it. Um, We're not talking about the organ that pumps blood, the physical organ. When the Old Testament and the New Testament talk about the heart, they're talking about your emotions, your feelings, your desires, your attitudes, that eventually will come out in your words, your actions, uh, your choices. But the heart always refers to the inner person, what's inside, whether it's your emotions, your feelings, your, your desires, your attitudes. So basically you could say that the heart in Scripture is the rational and emotional and volitional, it has to do with choices, uh, elements of a person. It's the inner person. And uh, instead of getting wrapped up in all the details and specifics and trying to mince everything, the heart is the inner person. When the Old Testament talks about the heart or the New Testament talks about it, it's the inner person. It's what's inside. Now, what's the lie? The lie is that you should follow that. You should follow your heart. Follow that inner person. Follow the emotions and the feelings and the desires and um, the attitudes that are inside of you. Follow them. Um, I looked up this phrase because I wanted to find out why people say this, what they mean when they say it. What are these people meaning at the commencement services when they say, follow your heart? And these are some of the things I found. What they mean is, follow your dreams and desires. Does that make sense to a group of graduates? Follow your dreams and desires. Follow your heart. It means to follow whatever makes you happy. Follow your heart. Follow whatever causes you to feel happy. They mean listen to your feelings. Let them guide you. Listen to your heart. Listen to your feelings. Let them give you guidance. 
One person said, your heart is your inner GPS. Follow the course it sets for you. I guess that's putting it in kind of modern terms, huh? Your heart, your emotions, your feelings, your attitudes, your desires, that's your GPS. It's setting the course. Follow that course. One person said it's, it's like having cat whiskers all over your body, feeling what is right or wrong for you. That's an interesting word picture. We're all walking around with cat whiskers all over our body. And we're feeling our way for what our heart says is right or wrong for us. And when we sense what that is, we follow it. That's what they mean by follow your heart. And then they will wrap up a presentation with this statement. At the end of the day, you just have to do what your heart tells you. Have you ever heard that? At the end of the day, just do whatever your heart tells you. Now, when you... uh, When you think about all those explanations of follow your heart, does it make you think of a certain word? What do they all have to do with? They all have to do with control, don't they? They all have to do with what will control you, what will guide you, what will lead you, what will determine your direction and your choices. They all deal with that, with control. And what do they all say is controlling you? Your heart. Your emotions, your feelings, your attitudes, your desires. Follow them. It's about control. It's also based on the idea that the human heart is inherently good. If you want to put some theology behind this lie, it's based on the belief that the human heart is inherently good, will always lead you to the good place and in the good direction for your good. So, what is the truth? Because I'm suggesting that, you know, that would not be true. That following your heart is a dangerous thing. If you would take your copy of the Bible, and uh, we're going to look at eight scriptures very quickly. They're, they're on your sheet, so you can spend some more time on them. They all talk about the heart. So we're going to get an idea of what the Bible says about the heart and and see how that fits with this common encouragement to follow your heart. So let's start in the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 9. Chapter 17, sorry. Jeremiah 17. 
And it's verse 9. And here it says, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? So what does that say about the heart? Deceitful above all things. Some Bibles say desperately wicked. Does that sound like inherently good? The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? That's the condition of the heart. And it's in that condition because of what we read in Genesis chapter 3, right? The fall of man. Sin came into the world and sin corrupted everything, including what? The heart. The inner person. Corrupted by sin. And thank God, he did something about that. And we celebrated it a few minutes ago. It's called salvation through Jesus, right? The work of Jesus on the cross and in his resurrection was addressing the heart problem, the corruption, the sinfulness of the heart, making way for forgiveness, making way for a new heart, right? And those of us who experience salvation, we can rejoice that God has given us a new heart. We've been forgiven. But here is reality, Christian friends. Our hearts are freed through Jesus, freed from the control of sin. But they are still targets. And they are still vulnerable. And they are fickle. Has your heart been a target? Has your heart been led astray at times, even as a Christian, whose heart has been freed from sin through Jesus? Of course. That's because even though our hearts are freed through salvation, they are fickle. So there's a phrase you can take with you. Our hearts are freed but fickle. And they are still vulnerable. And they are still a target. I know that because of Mark chapter 7. Mark chapter 7, something Jesus said about the heart. Mark 7. It says, Jesus went on to say, what comes out of a man is what makes him unclean. What comes out of him. For from within, out of men's hearts, out of men's hearts, from within, come, and then you have a whole list. Come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. Quite a list. Then he says, all these evils come from inside and make a man unclean. Have any of those things ever come 
from inside you? Even after you received a new heart through salvation? I would guess every one of us would have to say yes. You see, our hearts are fickle. Even when they're new and freed from sin's control, they're still a target. They're still vulnerable. And these kinds of things can still come from our hearts if we're not careful. And those speakers tell us to follow our hearts. Follow our hearts. The next scripture is uh, Proverbs 28. Proverbs chapter 28, verse 26. It says, uh, he who trusts in himself. Now, the New American Standard and the King James say he who trusts in his own heart. He who trusts in his own heart is a what? A fool. F-O-O-L. He that trusts in his own heart is a fool. It's not wise. Ecclesiastes, right after Proverbs. And uh, young people, listen up. This is for you. It's written to you as young people. Ecclesiastes 11, verse 9. It even says young men. So, okay, here you go, young men. This is a word for you from Scripture. Ecclesiastes 11, 9. It says, be happy, young man, while you are young. And let your heart give you joy in the days of your youth. Follow the ways of your heart. Hey, the Bible says follow your heart. Don't stop there. Solomon says, follow the ways of your heart. And whatever your eyes see, but, you notice there's a but. But know that for all these things, God will bring you to judgment. He's not saying, follow your hearts. He's saying, okay, young people, go ahead and follow your heart. But remember, there are consequences. There's accountability. Solomon's word is judgment. So he's not encouraging the youth to follow their heart. He's saying, if you want to follow your heart, go ahead and do it. But remember... There are consequences. Matthew 22. Matthew 22, 37, very familiar, talks about the heart. Okay, if I don't follow my heart... If I don't let my heart guide me and set the course for my life, what do I do with my heart? Well, Jesus said this in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart. 
and soul and mind. Okay, if I'm not to follow my heart, if that's dangerous, if that's unwise, then what do I do with my heart? Jesus said, you love the Lord with all your heart. You love him. That's what you do with your heart. You don't follow your heart. You don't let it control your life. You love the Lord with all your heart. Back to Proverbs chapter 3. Many of us could quote this. Proverbs chapter 3. Verse 5. Talks about the heart, doesn't it? It says, trust in the Lord with all your what? Heart. Okay, if I'm not supposed to follow my heart, let it guide me. If that's not wise, what do I do with my heart? You love the Lord with all your heart, and you trust in the Lord with all your heart. He doesn't say, trust your heart. In fact, he says, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will direct your paths. You trust the Lord with all your heart. You love him with your heart. You trust him with your heart. The next chapter in Proverbs, chapter 4. Okay, it's not wise to follow my heart, to let it guide me, control me, set the direction for my life. What do I do with my heart? You love the Lord with all your heart. You trust him with all your heart. Notice what Proverbs 4, 23 says. Above all else, guard your heart. Guard your heart. Why? Because it is the wellspring of life. I had to look that up. What is a wellspring? That's where the flow starts. That's the source of a flow. The wellspring. It's where everything comes from. And so what is Solomon saying about our heart, the inner person? That's where everything comes from. Isn't that what Jesus said? Out of the heart comes those things that he listed. The heart is the wellspring where things begin and eventually come out in our words, in our behavior, in the choices we make. And so... Because that's true, because the inner person, the heart, is so important, Solomon says, guard your heart. Guard it. He doesn't say follow it. He doesn't say let it control your life, let it dictate the direction of your life. He says, guard your heart. Guard it. And then finally, 1 John. And we'll wrap up. 1 John, chapter 3. We're just going to take one little statement that John makes about the heart. We're not going to look at the whole context here. But I will start reading in verse 19, because that's kind of where the, the sentence begins. So 1 John three nineteen. This, then, is how we know that we belong to the truth, And how we set our hearts at rest in his presence whenever our hearts condemn us. And here's the statement. For God is greater 
than our hearts. Let that sink in. Just one statement. God is greater than our hearts. So if this is my heart, this is, this is kind of the, the, the seed of my emotions and feelings and desires and attitudes. And this is God. John is telling us God is greater than my heart. So when one is greater than the other, and it comes to which I'm going to follow, what would be the wise choice? I'm going to follow the greater. Wouldn't you? When I was in elementary school, I was telling Eli this this morning before Sunday school started because he looked so alone in that class. Come on out to Sunday school, kids. We were talking about school, and I I told him that when I was in elementary at recess, us guys used to play a game we called tackle. Guess what we did? We tackled. It was similar to a lot of other games, but we'd pick someone to be in the middle, and we'd all line up on one end of the field. And then the guy in the middle would say, go, and we'd all try to get to the other side without him tackling us. And whoever he tackled was in the middle with him. And pretty soon there got to be a lot of guys in the middle tackling a few guys. And the last person to be able to make it across without getting tackled was the winner. One of the guys, his name was Dave, was bigger than all the rest of us. He was heavier than all the rest of us. He was stronger than all the rest of us. He'd been held back a couple years. And nobody could tackle Dave. He was a quiet guy. He hardly ever talked. But he was good at tackle. He was usually the last person. One all the time. Then there was another student, we'll call him Leroy, and he was just a little guy, pretty weak, but he loved playing tackle, and he would talk the whole time. He was so excited, and of course, he'd always be one of the first ones tackled, but he loved it. He was so excited. Talk, talk, talk. So, guess who most of us guys followed when we ran across the field. Not Leroy. We gathered around Dave. We were smart as elementary students. We chose to follow the greater. Now, little Leroy was the most excited of the two. He talked the most of the two. He bragged the most of the two. 
But we chose to follow the greater. We chose to follow the greater. We elementary kids were smarter than a lot of Christian adults. John said, God is greater than your hearts. And yet we still choose to follow the lie and follow our hearts. And how has that worked out for us? Think about it. How has that worked out for you in your Christian life? To follow your heart. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, Solomon said. Solomon also said, guard your heart. John said, God is greater than your heart. Implication, follow the greater. Follow him. The Bible doesn't say, follow your heart. The Bible says, follow the Lord. Follow Jesus. Follow his word that we sang about today. Follow his Holy Spirit in you, friends, that we talked about all summer. Follow him, not your heart. Your heart is freed, but it's still fickle. I hope that in May and June when you go and sit down at commencement services, if the speaker says to the graduates, follow your heart, I hope you will join me and tighten your grip on those armrests. Because that's a lie that so easily is believed, even by Christians. My encouragement to you, if you've fallen for this deception, is to surrender your heart to Jesus. And do it every day. Every day and in every situation. Understand that God has changed your heart through salvation. And he will go on changing your heart. But also understand, your heart is not a good leader. You should not follow your heart. It's too fickle. God is greater than your heart. And through his word and his spirit, he is the one to follow. He will set the course. Surrender to him. And if you haven't done that yet today, it's a good time to do it. Get in the habit of surrendering your heart to Jesus and to his word and his spirit every day and in every situation. Because he's greater than your heart. Let's pray. Our Father, we, uh, we thank you for being able to think about this. Father, your word says something about the heart. But the one thing it does not say is follow your heart. Let it control 
Let it be the guide. Let it set the course. Father, you are the one through your word and through your spirit that we should follow, love, trust. You're the one who sets the course. Help us to learn to acknowledge that every day and in every situation. To constantly be surrendering our hearts, our emotions, our feelings, our attitudes, our desires to you. For your glory and for us to move in the direction you want us to move as your people. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.